We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City. On June 4th, we are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest and then the final event the behind the bangs writing workshop i finally did it put it together put together this workshop because i wrote this book in many ways for younger me and younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught i wanted the gyms i wanted i wanted the knowledge i wanted the education that's what i would have wanted so i've decided i'm doing it and in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn 15 years in my 15 year career as a tv writer and author and blah 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 all the other things i've written there are six things that i always use and all of those are in this workshop so if you have an interest in writing sign up all the ticket links are live today click the show notes click my instagram we are coming to a city near you and there's going to be some meet and greets i'll sign some copies of books we'll give out more books and i have uh, some pieces of merch that i'm taking on the road and i'm gonna give them out at the shows Hello and welcome to another episode of Glamorous Trash Talk, where I take a tangent and talk about something besides celebrity memoirs that I also consider glamorous trash. If you are looking for your regular book episode, just click a different one. Now, why is it called Glamorous Trash? Well, Glamorous Trash just encapsulates who I am, where I come from, also my tastes. You know, sometimes I write out little examples here of what Glamorous Trash is, but I'm just going to give you some real, just some real examples from my life this week to give you an idea of what Glamorous Trash is. It is buying a half pound container of ranch powder to flavor things ranch while trying to eat more vegetables and be healthy. Glamorous Trash is going on the Daily Zeitgeist podcast, which I did this week, and using Love Island and the ultimatum queer love to prove why our media's current sexual landscape isn't pointing towards fascism. And this Glamorous Trash episode right here, which is going to cover a smattering of topics, beginning with Charity's season finale of The Bachelorette. It happened last night. Our overall take on the season, who she chose, and what I think it says about our upcoming elections. After we discuss The Bachelorette, we're going to do a true glamorous trash menagerie episode where we cover a roundtable of topics, some of them book-related, others are more pop culture. So let's bring on our guest. She is my favorite new friend. She is such a favorite that by the time she comes back to cover Jada's memoir on this podcast, she will have been on the podcast three times. 
the most any guest has ever been on. She is the one who came up with the title Glamorous Trash Menagerie, and she hosts the Stacks podcast, a very popular and the best book podcast out there, in my opinion. It's Tracy Thomas. Yay. It's me. Welcome. Here I am. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to bring you back for this episode because if people listened to the previous episode, you heard me tell Tracy that she had to watch The Bachelorette. She couldn't skip Charity going on this season. And I made you watch because I truly believed the franchise could turn itself around on Charity's back. What do you think? Now that we've made it through all the episodes, what are your thoughts? (laughs) Well, I want to know what you think because you were the one that thought this season (laughs) of The Bachelorette was going to be, I don't know, some sort of miraculous cultural reckoning. Turnaround. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean... I listen, this is not a two-parter episode, go, but go back and listen to me and Tracy's episode or go and go listen to my Bachelorette episode because I really, truly believe that I can predict um, politics and official movements in American culture based off of this show alone okay. because it is such a large swath of Americans who watch and Um, it's better than the polls where they like call people and ask what candidate you're going to vote for. Okay, so I really did think she could turn around. (sighs) I no longer believe that. Um, I do think she did a phenomenal job. I think she, I think what I said was true. I thought she was going to be a phenomenal bachelorette and and she was. She was funny. She was quirky, but she took it seriously. She really believed in love. She cried, all the things. But the franchise did not write the ship. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think... um, I think this might be my stop. I, I, th- I think sh- I may shocked. get off here. I am shocked. I, know. I am shocked. I have loved this show since it's since it since I had a television to watch it on. Okay. Before you announce that you're getting off the show, are you getting off Bachelor in Paradise and Gary Jerry? Gary? Golden uh, Gary? It's Gary. Uh, it looks like Jerry, but it's Gary. Golden I, Gary, yeah. It's, are, I get it. Yeah. Are you off? Or are you gonna stick no, through those? I'm fully in on Golden okay. Bachelor. I truly believe. I know I was wrong, but I do believe this season could come back around with Gary. But I'll get into specifics of of why. And Bachelor in Paradise, yes, I'm fully in for Paradise. So you're just off the main main drug. I cannot watch Joey be the Bachelor. Oh, I can. I like Joey. I'm in on Joey. Everyone does. Everyone loves Joey. I'm out. I like Joey. Um, Okay, here's what I thought of this season, broadly. I think that Charity was a good Bachelorette. She was clean. She enjoyed being the Bachelorette. You could tell she was loving it. She was loving Mm -hmm. every little uh, thing that got in her way, every date, every poem. Like, it was just, she was vibing out to the power and the romance. Every time a guy came back, she was like, what? Gave it time. Not Aaron coming back. Sent them home (laughs) again. The thing about her, though, is that she was a good Bachelorette by the book. Happy for her. Found love. The problem with the show is that that is not no longer entertaining. Like we have moved so far beyond that. And there's so many like little fixes I think that the show could do to be better, but they just won't do it because it's not The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. And I feel like it's just the show's stagnant. It's stopped. It's over. completely agree. I think, you know, it was already pawing at the dirt, digging its own grave. It's been there for a while. Yeah. This season was a full face plant, six feet under. Every single storyline was based on the rules of The Bachelor. Right. And not based on any 
anything authentic, interesting, or right. specific to dating and relationships. They would be like, is he ready to propose in five weeks? Like that's a storyline for Brayden for like nine episodes. Yeah. And it's like, no one gives a fuck. Like, like, please like show us something real in the relationship. Show us why she is in love with a man wearing full <laughs> chandelier earrings. And ugly ones. I, I say this as a fan, a, a very ugly earrings. It's I'm not a- that they're chandelier earrings. It's that they're hideous earrings. I mean, he just got, he just got cornrows on his Instagram. So it's like that. It, we saw that. Coming. Yeah. I mean, the, the earrings choices alone, we yeah. knew where he was headed. He yeah. was like going to Peru being like me too. Yeah. Yeah. Brayden's a no. I mean, I love Brayden and I wish he was the bachelor because it would have been brilliant, but also he's a big no. The thing that this season made me think about given our previous conversation, because you had talked about how you like thought that if we got the right bachelorette and we went back to basics that the show would work or could work. And I feel like Charity yeah. proved, no to no fault of Charity, but she proved that you can't actually have a pure good bachelorette or bachelor anymore because that is what is boring. Like that is what is no fun. I feel like I said this before. I like the messy bachelorettes. I've always liked the messy bachelorettes. Give me yeah. a Hannah Brown. Give me a Caitlin. Give me a Rachel Lindsay, who was pretty perfect, but also didn't take messy a lot in of the shit. Best way. Yeah, she yeah. was messy, yeah. but not unhinged like Hannah Brown, who was just giving us <laughs> moving mean, the podium. She's she's cursing in the name <laughs> of Jesus. Like it's just everything. Hannah you need. Brown. I mean, I remember when they were like, for the first time in history, Hannah's gonna meet five bachelors live, unedited. <laughs> and do you remember she like couldn't talk or speak or form sentences? Yes, her whole storyline was that she couldn't give a toast in the season before. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Whew, those were good days. Yeah. yeah. And I just feel like with Charity, it's like, I mean, we even knew who she was. I feel like everything was just so obvious and boring and like straightforward. And I just, I don't need to spend two hours on that or three hours last night, if you're lucky. Oy. Yeah, we were texting each other like, I was, this can't. This I mean, that last end. hour was all fill. It, it was, was fill. all fill. I mean, even the proposal itself feels like filler at this point because all they do is talk in like tropes. But that's what I, that, that's what I feel like coming off of Love is Blind, the ultimatum, these dating shows that are so interesting in part because they just show right. real mess, right. genuine mess. And I know dating 25 men has mess to it. Do you know sort what I mean? Of. Kissing Brayden and having his earrings hit your yeah. face. <laughs> Messy. There's mess to that. They just refuse. They just refuse to show us real relationships and they continue to sell a fairy tale that no one wants or has bought into anymore. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to fix the show, the first thing I would do is I would get rid of fantasy suites and I would go, you can fuck whenever you want. Oh! Because then you have actual uh-huh. feelings and relationships and that feels like casual dating, right? Like that feels like I've chosen to be intimate, as they say. <laughs> I've chosen to fuck this guy because I'm attracted to him. And like, what does it mean if you choose to wait? Or like that there's an ability to have private, like sexy time with people. I feel mm. like that would change the show like and make it better because that's sort of like with queer ultimatum or like with either ultimatum, there is more than one person you can be intimate with, which is like sort of what makes the show interesting, right? Like you have to decide, mm. are these sexual feelings that I'm having for this stranger different than these feelings that I've had for my partner for so long? And like that, I think would just change the show. Maybe you don't sleep with people day one, but just that there's an opportunity to do that 
it, right. it means right. something. And you, like, you want to turn that nasty mansion into the fuck house. Yeah, exactly. And wouldn't you watch? Wouldn't it be great? You know, I don't, I don't know because there's something about that tease, that, that tease of like, you got to wait. And what if you didn't wait that I think I'm like very into, but if I were to fix it, I would bring her on camera and I would say, ask him what his job is. <laughs> and then I would air that conversation. Sure. I would say, talk about where y'all are going to live. And then I would air that conversation. I would say, does he believe in abortion rights? (laughs) Right, right. I just want to see two people try and have a fairy tale romance and like, and and get through it. And, but you're right. Listen, if they had sex at the end of it, I mean, they don't even have to have sex at the end of it, but I think it just has to be open. I just, I think the formality of the show, like at every step, there's this certain formal thing. It takes away like the autonomy of the dating and of the, and of the lead. And it's like, okay, when Caitlin Bristow went off and had sex with Nick Vial or whatever. Yeah. And they produced a podcast that he has. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that was what made that season so interesting is like, you've broken the rules and like, maybe you still keep the fantasy suite and maybe some leads decide that they don't want to, but just having that option there that you could go off and be with someone at any point that you wanted or that one-on-one dates all could end with an overnight if you so chose. You know? I think that, yeah, you know what? I like that. I'm coming around. I just feel like we have, you know, authenticity as a movement is here, but it's, the, but there is real authenticity to be had now in television shows right. because of that. Even if they're faking it, they're doing a great job. Yeah. And like, think of, think of the dating stories that your friends tell you where your jaw is on the floor, yeah. you know, and they're dumb things like, you know, he met me at this club, but he forgot his wallet. So we had to like get in the cab and go back to get his wallet. But then we're like at his house. And then it's like, was this genius of him? Or am I with a dipshit? Is this a personal story of mine? Yeah, of course it is. But but I just feel like those are tiny moments of like a person's motivations and instincts and wants and desires. And like, how do you small talk for 60 minutes in a Uber, you know, yeah. like we were discussing like socio-political implications of The Bachelor. And I think it's extremely telling that we finally have a, I believe our first black couple. Where fully, the- fully black, not mixed. Because Michelle yes. chose, Michelle is mixed and she chose Nate who's mixed. Yes, yes. Yeah. So basically after seasons and seasons of them messing up a black bachelorette or bachelor season with scripted racism. They didn't do that. So this is a win. She gets engaged to Dotton, who is also black. And it's like a great season. And it's at the moment when the show's just fucking over. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They just waited till it was just over. I wonder if the reason that that it was able to just like go off smoothly is because the show's over. They didn't feel Mm -hmm. like they had to like use it for ratings, you know? Right. Like with Rachel, yeah, it was yeah. like, we have to put a racist in there so that people are like, what's she going to do? Like, we want to well, keep people watching. the audience had to have someone to relate to. Yeah, Tracy. exactly. We needed Lee as a, someone to relate to. But I feel like now that the show is like so far gone, they're just like, fuck it. Let's just let her do whatever she wants to do. Yeah, let's just have like a good season. Yeah, which is just like, it's sad. It's indicative. Okay, so let's talk about why are you still in for The Golden Bachelor? And do you think it's yes, going to work? I am in okay, tell me for why. Gary. Gary's casting, whoever did it, auto- uh, automatic Emmy, a- a- automatic a EGOT. My concern about Gary is that he is a white man. I'm assuming he's cis. 
uh, in his 70s from Indiana, the <laughs> center of the KKK in Gary's lifetime. I just, I'm very, very nervous. He definitely reminds me of the older men in Santa Fe, New Mexico, okay. where they're like, they're like hip and cool. And then they say something egregious, yeah. you know, but it's, but it's from this like alternate point of view of like, but I'm like boiling matcha in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> like it's like right, that. Right, right, like, right, right. Mm. But that being said, he's extremely emotional. Yes. Key for The Bachelor. Um, he is really sincere. He seems like he's the- bought in. He's bought in. The way they coached him to say the things of dealing with, you know, his wife passing, but being on this show, the coaching was brilliant. It took, he can deliver those phrases perfectly. And he's coming across a little horny to me. And I think we're also really going to need that in The Golden Bachelor. Like, we're going to want a, like, oh, Gary's Gary and Marge are getting wild. And I'm so, so excited for the women. I'm excited for I'm the women. I'm so excited to see some women who are not 24 years old right. get on screen and be like, I want love and I want it fucking now and I'll do anything to get it. Like, yes. Yeah. I hope I hope some women in there go hard. I'm, I'm so excited to see the women. I'm excited for the women. I'm excited to see like women having a love story over yeah. 35 or 40 or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm also really curious to see what kind of women they cast. Like, are they all going to be widows? Are they going to have any women who never got married, never had kids? Like, I'm curious to see if they allow that on screen on a show like this. I'm curious to see the body types. Are they all going to be like thin-ish? Right. And I'm also curious to see how much Gary gets in the way of what we think Gary is. Like, once we get him, once we get him at the yeah. Hollywood sign doing his little hike and his picnic or whatever, once we get him well, seeing a concert by a strange country music star we've never heard of. Yes, you're right. I think I think some wildness is to come, but like we said, we love mess. And I do think Gary's going to give us some weird mess. I pray they don't edit it all out. One thing we know for sure is there will definitely be a, a woman on there whose husband passed away yes. and is a widow and like they're going to really push that love story. Yeah. That's what we know for sure. I think so. And I hope that they come up with good dates. I hope that they're not trying to do the same dates. Like, I do not want to see Gary and whoever jumping out of an airplane or like bungee jumping. Like, absolutely not. Like, do not do this to these. Yeah. these and like, po- I do not couple. want these women to have to wear bikinis and play dodgeball. Like, I hope that they figure oh out God. ways a to pool come party up. party where they have to yeah. chicken fight on Gary's shoulders. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Like, I hope that they're respectful about the fact that these are like women who have lived lives and deserve to be treated as human beings and not 24 year olds who want to be Instagram influencers, you know? Right, right. Although I do hope some of these ladies become influencers. Uh, I know one of them's got a makeup line in her. I feel it. I really want one on there who's been divorced like four times. And it's yes. like, my husband's an asshole and I'm doing me. Yeah, or like, yeah. I want a woman who was like, I was married and then I found out about the Golden Bachelor and I got a divorce. <laughs> like, that's what I want. Okay, so are there any other big Bachelor points until before I, I pivot us into what I think it says about culture? I yes, have to make please. one point about charity specifically and last yes. night. I... I am so sorry because I think I didn't think I was going to like Charity and I like Charity, but she pissed me off last night. I think it is super deeply disrespectful and fucked up to allow Joey to get to the point of going down on one knee before you're like, 
but wait a second. Like, Charity, yeah. we, the show has already been broken enough times where you could have told him when he got out of the limo. You could have talked first. You didn't need him to tell you how much he loved you and how he knew. Like, I just think to say that you love someone and then to allow them to go that far publicly and profess their love to you and about to get on one knee. I just think it's like so icky. I fucking hate it when they do it now. Go to his mm. room before the thing. Do the Andy Dorfman or like, you know, like there's so many ways to get around that moment. Hannah Brown did it to Tyler Cameron. I thought it was fucked up then. I think it's fucked up now. I just, it really irritates me. I just think it's mean. I think it's mean. I I think you're right. I think I give this one a pass because nothing else happened. Sure. (laughs) I mean, it's great entertainment, but it is mean. No, no, no. I I, I only, I think I was on my phone at that point. You're not like, whoa, she's doing it. It's just sort of like, Nothing. I mean, this was a really boring finale. Yeah. Um, The mom was the star. The mom. Okay. Now we do have to talk about this. So her mom met both guys and Charity sits down. She's like, hey, mom, I respect you. I love you so much. Who do you think? And her mom says, I'm not going to tell you. And Charity's like, what? And she says, if I say a name, it's going to influence you. And I want the decision to be your own. But then it gets really weird where she's like, okay, well, I don't want that. I'd like to know what you think of these guys. And her mom's like, no, Correct. I don't feel comfortable. I won't name names. So what did, what did you think? I think that was the thousand percent the right thing. To be fair, before the sit down, the mom did say she liked Joey more. She said she connected with Joey more. She said she thought Doughton was a nice guy, but that Joey fit into their family. So she did give very clear, she very clearly said what she thought. Then Charity went back. She came back more, you know, together and wanted to hear it because she wanted her mom to make the decision for her. And her mom knew that Charity liked Doughton more at that point. She could tell by the way she responded when she first said that Doughton, she didn't like Doughton as much. And I think the mom knew two things. One is that she's on national television and you cannot be a black woman on national television talking about the fact that you like the white guy more knowing everything you know about the Bachelor franchise. And two, she's a mom and she knows that if she says Joey again, if her daughter picks Doughton, which it feels like it felt like she was going to, then she was always going to have to answer to publicly saying she liked Joey more. And I think that's why she kept saying, I don't want to say a name because I have to live with that. It's like you're welcoming Mm. your son-in-law into your family, but he knows and so does America that he was the second choice for you. You know, like I think that it was just very pragmatic and I think it was the right thing to do. And to me, it just felt super duper like she's a black woman who works in corporate America. She was like, nope, this is a trap. I'm not saying shit. I told you what I thought five minutes ago. You didn't want to hear it. I'm done. I can speak broadly. You're going to make a great choice. This is not me. This is you. I, this is, I did not sign up to be the villain. Like, I think she was got like very pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. Really well said, because I also think it was the right choice in that you know, let's say her mom said, Joey, Charity chooses Joey. And then she could be like, I was influenced by my mom and I'm unhappy and whatever, you know, or vice versa. However, I think her mom very much should have said it differently. I think she should have, because she, she clearly thought ahead. I mean, this is a really smart woman who was like, trap, absolutely not. Just like you said. But I wish she would have said, Charity, both of them. And I know you're going to make the right call for your heart. As it was very clear, her mom had an answer and was like, I'm not going to tell you. Like, how could that, like, if I was like, Tracy, I, I know which of your children I like better, but I'm not going to say. So do I. You'd be like. (laughs) And I will say. If you go to my Patreon. That was a very, that was a very fake example from me. But you'd be like, well, tell me, but just tell me, but just tell me, but just tell me. There was no way to get out of it after that. And, but here's what I will say. 
if Charity's unhappy with Don at some point. And her, as she can now be like, mom, I wish you would have said you actually chose Joey and helped a girl out. But because you stayed silent, I chose oh, yeah. the wrong person. So it's sure. kind of like a, a lose, 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 lose. The mom did say one thing where Charity's like, she was like, trust your gut. And Charity's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have a gut anymore. And the mom was like, you have a gut. Your gut does yeah. exist. Yeah. And I was like, that's some real fucking therapy shit. Cause I cannot tell you how many times in my life romantically or professionally where I've been like, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know. Someone else answer for me. I don't, I can't, I can't tell what I want when really I knew and it was there, mm-hmm. but I just didn't want to say it. And the mom being like, no, your gut always exists. Like don't yes, ever. You're right. and, and you have to go find it. And you you got to wade go through it. whatever bullshit you put in front of it, but you have to find it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I, I right. just love the mom. I, I loved it. That's how I would have handled it. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. <laughs> now I want to talk about what I think this okay. season says about <laughs> culture and politics. Okay. And he, here's my thoughts. Tell me what you think. Uh-oh. First of all, culturally, incredible progress. I am so thrilled specifically at gender and gender norms. Brayden alone, okay. the main fuck boy, the hottest dude coming through in two to three inch earrings, something I will do, but most of my friends wouldn't even, they'd be like, that's too much. You I know won't. what I mean? Like a more tasteful earring. Yeah. Yes. I'll definitely go down to my shoulders, but turns out Brayden's, Brayden's the only one with me. <laughs> He's also the villain, which is Often something, it can go two ways, but he, like he's a very masculine energy villain where it's mm-hmm. like fights and mm-hmm. blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. His suit at the men tell all, stunning. This black, it's like this black floral embroidered vest with kind of a loose fitting jacket. Oh, yeah. And then a string of pearls. <laughs> you know, I am here for it. And I think in previous iterations of The Bachelor, he would have shown up in those clothes and been fully booted out of the house or made fun of for the wrong reasons or become for the wrong reasons <laughs> or become the villain for the wrong reasons or there would be some like masculinity stuff at play and that wasn't involved here. Sure. I do want to say Harry Styles wore the skirt so that Brayden could wear the earrings. Okay. There's a possible way this could go dark, but I think overall it says something really wonderful about how much we're opening up what is quote unquote feminine, what is masculine and what goes with what gender and kind of of like breaking open the spectrum. But don't be, you think that like the yeah. fact that Brayden was the villain kind of goes against that? No, because the villain's the star. They sent him right onto paradise. He immediately started hooking up. Yes. He was also the villain because she loved him. He kept messing well, up. Right. Usually and, the and villain she was is like, love. But he's so hot. He's so hot. I like him. He's got to stay. He was just too hot to be to be going home. Yeah, but I think it's easy for America to hate him and make him the villain because of his gender expression. But here's the thing. People don't actually hate him. That man got the most applause on the Mintel All. Sure. In the past, there have been villains where like America hates your guts. Like this is going to be a mark on your LinkedIn going forward for the rest of your life. He's beloved. Sure. I also feel like the hottest people are usually villains and the front runners are usually villains because everybody else hates them. But I also feel like people of color, people who are like different or interesting are usually villainized. I mean, true. Yes, but on this show, like Chad, remember white muscle builder Chad? Oh, yeah. Who who just like had a temper. But he was a real monster. 
Yeah. Brayden was just a guy who talked yeah. too much. But it's not like there was another monster for the cameras to point to and they didn't because Brayden right. has earrings. Well, I don't know. A, Double Denim Ken was pretty awful. Okay, that's true. I mean, like, listen, guys with guitars, like, yes. Oh my God, who was that Jed, guy? Jed, who won? That's right. Who won Hannah Brown season? It's Jed, but then there was another one earlier. Um, he had dark brown hair, and he was like a villain. But he, but he was stood up at one of these things, being like, "That bad boys need love too," and he was like immediately engaged oh, again. I- Guitar bachelorette <laughs> villains uh, is what I'm googling right now. Um, Bachelor, Bachelor at top 10 villains. Okay, okay Jake Pavelka. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Sure, sure. Just, just I mean, it's hard, to make a, it's hard to make a case for him. <laughs> uh, Vienna, who he chose to marry, okay. another villain. Um, Courtney was a huge oh, villain. Courtney was a huge villain. Michelle Money. Michelle Money was actually just very funny. And they yeah. were like, we can make this look villainous. Yeah. Uh, David Good. Who was on Jillian's season? I don't know. Yeah, Courtney's listed. Tierra, who is my favorite villain of all time. Sparkle. Literally, Tierra and her sparkle is, it's in my memoir. (laughs) I feel like I wrote about it. I feel like that's what Glamorous Trash was inspired by. Tierra should be the cover of your book. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, Tierra has such a place in my heart and one of the deepest stories in my life. I'm like, and listen, we gotta talk about Tierra. Okay, I think what I'm saying is like people who are villains who are actually doing fucked up shit are usually white people. But the people who are like hated in the house are always like the black people or like (laughs) someone like Brayden. It's like, he didn't actually do anything. You guys just don't like him because she likes him. I think he totally did something. What? He was like, I don't like you He would be like, I don't know if I want to be with her. And then he would win everything. And they were like, dude, fuck off. Yeah, I think it's great that Brayden was on the show. He was a villain for villain reasons and not for his fashion. And I think that's movement. Okay. I debate that, but okay, okay. I hear you. Fair. Okay, what okay. else do we think about the state of America? <laughs> okay, here's my political <laughs> prediction. <laughs> I think I think more than ever, we want a change. We want things to be different mm-hmm. as seen on The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. I think this is a year where a Bernie, another Bernie Sanders could come in and like, if running on the Democratic ticket, a, a sort of third party outside of the Democratic, like, sort of confines of who they allow to be candidates. I think a, a, I think a, someone from the outside could come in and really sweep it next year. I think people really, really want it. Yes, I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I was going to say- this is the like, year when it's most possible. I think this is a year when it is most possible for an outsider to get on the Democratic bill and be like, we're looking for more socialism, more progressive, like someone to really break it open. I think they could get very, very far this year. And judging by The Bachelor, in the end, we will still fall to Biden. I don't- Here's what I, I need think. to check in next season, but so yeah. far I feel like we're leaning Biden and not Trump. Well, here's what I think to further this. I think the fact that they're even doing a Golden Bachelor might indicate that we are ready for more elderly political <laughs> political leaders because we ah! haven't quite gotten to the oldest possible people to lead this country into a changed future. I also think that the key that could change everything and that could make space for your outsider candidate would be if Gary stepped down as Golden Bachelor, Joe Biden stepped in as Golden (laughs) Bachelor, and then there was an opening in the White House for the Democratic ticket because no one Mm. is going to run or primary Joe Biden in Anytime after August 2023 okay, for a 2024 election. But you're if very Jill was down, yeah, uh-huh, we should have uh-huh. Joe. Joe would be the golden bachelor we deserve. I, I want to <laughs> say, you know how 
you know, Obama was no longer president and he was like, I'm going to have a Netflix deal. I'm yeah. like, well, oh, that's a weird, sad follow-up to always go to Hollywood. Biden would love to be the golden bachelor. Oh he would God. love it. He should be the host. Um, he should replace Jesse. No, and he, he could should be not like, be, no. Yes, because then he could be like, I also lost my wife and I found another person to love, though I was younger and I can guide no, you on this Biden, journey. Biden would hit on every woman yes, in that house. This would. is a very bad idea. <laughs> I think in smaller elections, I think we're going to see more movement for third party candidates than we've ever seen before. That's my prediction off of hmm. The Bachelor. Like more popularity. I think we're going to get further. Do I think this is the year the two party system goes down? No. no. But I do think there's going to be a lot more headway this year. And I do not think we're ready for older politicians. Diane Feinstein is the <laughs> that was a keeper. Joke. That was a She's joke. Like, <laughs> I'm, I was making a joke because all of our lead candidates are like 80 years old. That was a yeah, joke. Yeah. I want young candidates. I'm Please do not quote me. Like, <laughs> no, it was a joke. Yeah, we don't oh. have enough elderly politicians <laughs> to lead America into the future of technology and climate change. We need more NAI old people. Regulations. Yeah, we need Correct. much more old people who get it. Correct. Yeah. Okay, Tracy, love talking about The Bachelorette with you. Are you going to watch Joey's season? Oh, I think so. All right. We'll see. Okay. Well, you let me know if I need to tune in. So now we're going to go to the glamorous trash menagerie part of this episode. We're going to kind of just hit... Four topics for five minutes okay. uh, um, and, and scoot, scoot, scoot along. So first topic is Henry Kissinger. Okay. Now, I know you're like, Chelsea, why are we discussing more old, horny men? I don't know, but it's here. So We're into the elders, you guys. It's a we're king. into the elders. Henry Kissinger came up again in another memoir. What was the episode that just dropped? Carol Burnett. And my Henry Kissinger count I, I, is above 10 in female celebrity memoirs. I can't stand it. When I learned about him in, uh, at my second high school, it's like, you know, as a war criminal. Yeah. And so it's just so shocking to me. And I got a lot of DMs from the cookies, which I loved being like Henry Kissinger loved attention from women and also seemed to benefit from in that decade and year, 70s, 80s, 90s, like he would just listen and he'd be nice to you. And women would be like, whoa, I guess you didn't uh, prolong the Vietnam War. Wow. <laughs> and I guess that was his thing that he was so charismatic. And then the second thing, which is that he was famously known for being charismatic and not sleeping with the women. He wanted to be photographed with them. And someone said he wasn't creepy. He didn't want to sleep with them. I said, I find that creepier. I find that way worse. I find that to be a question of perhaps maybe he was homosexual. Did yeah, anybody talk things. about that? Yes. That's like, no, it, that's the old school playbook, right? It's like being of photographed with women and then privately, you know, having a relationship with the director with of the men. FBI or Which, whatever. For some reason, I feel like there's been, he's been so public. He's, people already hate him. I feel like, we would have, that would have come out more. So I'm even more worried. He just like literally like, he's just all, he's just like loves a good photo in a magazine. Yeah, maybe he's like, asexual. He's like masturbating to power. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, like it. I told Tracy, you this. I think yeah, you have to ahead. do one of his memoirs on the show. I that's think. Right. So that's what, that's what we're going to talk about now. Tell me why. Because he's come up in so many memoirs. Just, okay, take the war criminal out, which is obviously impossible, but you have, I mean, here's the thing. If you do it, you got to get the right guest. You got to get someone who's a historian who knows a lot about Henry Kissinger that can like fact check in real time. But I yeah. feel like it would be really 
interesting to see who comes up in his memoir if he is like Mr. Star Befriender or whatever. Yeah. But also any other celebrity that came up this much in someone else's memoir who wasn't a war criminal, I can't imagine you wouldn't do their book. Well, I, you know, does Mick Jagger have a memoir? I've never sought it out. Does he come up a lot? A ton. So he's the other one, him and Prince. So it's Mm. Mick Jagger, Prince, and Henry Kissinger. Hmm. Um, Now, Prince comes up always with a story, like something pretty meaningful. And I would say 90% of them are really lovely, although there's some really horrifying stories about him too. So it's that, that, which is fascinating. Then Mick Jagger is always like, and then Mick Jagger's dick popped into the room and we did cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Henry Kissinger is just like, he was pen pals with Cher. He is having one night dates with women. He is in stories in the tabloids where Carol Burnett poured alcohol down his mouth and Carol's like, that's not true. Like, this is a man about town in a way where I'm like, you have too many murders on your head we gotta, to be you gotta having do it. this much fun. You got to do it. We got to know. Do his most it. recent one. He did one in 99. He's 100. Maybe. Oh my he, God. Because he'll pass away eventually. Not that I'm wishing death mm. on anyone. Maybe when he dies, you'll finally do it. Okay. Maybe that we'll can see. be your me- we'll m- in memoriam. Also, did you know that he was one of the big investors in Elizabeth Holmes? Yes, I was going to just yeah. say that. He was a big yeah. he was a big Theranos Because guy. he loved a beautiful lady. Okay, this feels like a good time to take a quick break. Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains, but you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role, and we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book, it matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, let's dive back into the episode. Okay, 
Next topic, Brittany's divorce announcement. Okay. Okay, so... Wait, why did you have that reaction? Because I really love Brittany. I am a, you know, millennial. I I love Brittany. I want the best for Brittany. I just feel stressed out because I feel like people are laughing at her and I don't like it. And so I don't like mm. that she draws that attention to everything because it, it makes me, I don't know. I think maybe it's me. Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe I'm being like no, ableist no, I, or something, I but it just, I feel so uncomfortable. Like I can't watch it. However, I did like the song choice. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wait, it, Janet. Okay, for some reason, if you didn't see Britney's post, I am playing the music in her video. And Britney, the video, she is just dancing. She is in a tiny, you know, kind of a tiny, tiny little green underwear, almost a thong. The tag is out. Okay, she's got black boots on, a black crop top with sleeves. She's spinning, she's twirling, she's doing her thing. And and I, I, I want to respond to what Tracy said, and then I'm going to read Brittany's caption. So, Tracy, I think you're right, and I think sometimes it is very uncomfortable to watch some of her posts. But personally, I love it because people destroyed this woman. Yes. And now she is here. She has her account back, and she's going to do her. And I think trauma is very uncomfortable. I think put you know locking a woman up in a conservatorship is very uncomfortable. Yeah. So anything she wants to give us, I am here for. But I think it's okay to laugh with her yeah. or laugh gently because otherwise we're just ignoring that Brittany is yes. you know posting full nudes right. with just the the tiniest little muffin over <laughs> right where the whole vagina would be. I feel like. I think what I struggle with is I wish, and maybe this is, again, me, I wish that she was laughing more, too. I think she might be. I wish, yeah, I wish she was yeah. signaling more that we could be like, ha, 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 la- jokes on you, haters. I just want more direction from her because I want to be able to be a supportive fan of a person that like meant so much to me. You know, like Absolutely. she was just so You're important. Right. And I just want her to be like, this is what I need from you all. And I don't feel like she's doing that, which obviously she doesn't have to do that. But that's where I think my discomfort comes from is I'm like, I don't know how to be a good Britney fan. Yes. Okay. I'm okay. Anxious. I think that's I think that's well said. And I think from my point of view, she is she's trapped in an early aughts cage. Yes. She was put in a prison by society, her father, a, a, a pastor named Pat, a lot of people, her mom, her sister. She was put in this early aughts prison. And I think she still is there in many ways, as you can see with actual early aughts fashion or yeah. body image pressures that she talks about and things like that. I However, mean, even the way she dances is still the same. Absolutely. The hair, the makeup, everything is still in this like early aughts moment, but I think she's going to get free of it. And I'm, every time she twirls, I'm here for it. And I think the first step of getting free of it was divorcing this dud who you could tell was never a real relationship, who there's a lot of proof to be said that he was planted there by her father. Um, So let's just read the caption. As everyone knows, Hassam and I are no longer together. Six years is a long time to be with someone, so I'm a little bit shocked, but I'm not here to explain why because it's honestly nobody's business. Okay, love this for her. This is her being like, not your business. But I couldn't take the pain anymore, honestly. Okay, more honesty. I love it. In some sort of telepathic way, I've been receiving so many messages that melt my heart from friends, and I thank you. Okay, now here's where I go. What do you mean telepathic way? Because I would love for you to be receiving real text messages and emails. Yeah, I'd love to see a DM. I'd love a receipt. I'd love a receipt. I think I think people should actually be reaching out to you and I want to know that they're able to do that. Okay. I've been playing it strong for way too long. 
And my Instagram may seem perfect, but it's far from reality. Another pause because I say, you know what? I'm not sure what that's what the Instagram seems I like. I don't know what seems perfect means in that context. Yes, but I do think she is posting a lot of happy images and dancing and sexy body shots. And I, so I think that's what she's talking about. Okay. But it's far from reality. And I think we all know that. But again, another analogy. Yes, we do know there's more going on here. I would love to show my emotions and tears on how I really feel, but some reason I've always had to hide my weaknesses. I love this. And again, like you could be like, oh, it's too messy, but it's like, no, this is someone like sharing that they've never been allowed to feel. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't my dad's strong soldier. Now here we are. We are in the divorce announcement. Mm -hmm. She is twirling above this caption and we are talking about her dad. And I'm like, this is telling a tale. This is is the story. You're not wrong. If I wasn't my dad's strong soldier, I would be sent away to places to get fixed by doctors. But that's when I needed family the most. You're supposed to be loved unconditionally, not under conditions. So I will be as strong as I can and do my best. And I'm actually doing pretty damn good. Anyways, have a good day and don't forget to smile. Um, don't forget to smile. I mean, she turned into a construction worker shouting at a woman on her lunch break saying, don't forget to smile. I loved it on her own divorce announcement. That's how she ends it. And and you know what? It did make me smile. I mean, has there ever been a better divorce post? She is doing a pot of beret to, I kicked this man out of my house. And I know that the way Britney posts isn't sort of the way we have all culturally society accepted, like women should be posting. You know, she goes through a lot all the time, but I'm here for it. I'm here to witness it. And God damn, if I don't love that she danced her divorce announcement. I mean, normally these announcements would be like, oh, you know, we have parted ways. After a long time, we've made this difficult decision. There was no wrongdoing in either. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. We'll be dancing again. She's like, do you know Janet Jackson? Love her. <laughs> love her. Uh, I'm happy. I, I feel like uh, I'm in another like free Britney bitch. Like get her, get her out of that oh marriage. Oh my God. And I, And the one thing I'm sad about, and yes, we'll obviously cover her book on this podcast, is that I'm really afraid he's in the book as a happy ending and a fairy tale, and we won't have any of the real in the book because it was already locked. It's coming out in October. Oh, yeah. We're not. Well, book two. Book two, baby. Yeah. Okay. Next topic. What is the best thing you have read lately? Okay. I am reading a book currently. That I, let me just give people a quick backstory. Obviously, I read professionally for my work, but I'm currently a judge for the LA Times Book Prize, which means I am reading a ton of nonfiction. And it means that I'm reading super widely outside of things that I might normally pick up for myself. And I have this list right now of like 100 books that I'm reading through. And I just have been picking like willy-nilly. I'm like, oh, this sounds good. Or like my library hold came, came in for this. And so this week, I started a book called How to Stay Married, The Most Insane Love Story Ever Told by Harrison Scott Key. And he's a writer, and I'm listening to the audiobook, and I'm really liking it. And basically, it's the story of his marriage. It's a memoir, but his wife cheated on him with a friend. And he handles it like true crime a little bit. So it's like, it starts off with like the dead body, which is their marriage. And then he kind of goes back and he's like, what did I, like, let's investigate the husband. Let's investigate the wife. They're both religious. So they talk a lot about the church. He's talking about the community he's in. He's talking about the the other man, his children, like his family, her sister. And it's like kind of, it's not disjointed, but it's sort of in like little vignettes. And it's like, 
I don't know what's going to happen. I'm probably a little over halfway through, but I'm really, really enjoying it and like so surprised that I'm liking it. I picked it up being like, okay, because part of judging for the prize, it's like you just have to give everything the first chapter. And then if you hate it, you can be like, bye, go. And I was like, let me just give this one 20 minutes on audio. I'll be done. I'll move on. No, I'm like so into it. I don't, Wait, I mean, say the title again. It's called How to Stay Married. And his name okay. is Harrison Scott Key. And I'm loving it. And then the other thing that I've read recently, there's two other books that I've read recently that I really, really liked. One is called Creep by Miriam Gerba. And it's not out yet. It comes out September 5th, but it's a collection of essays. And then the other book is also a collection of essays and it's called Biting the Hand by Julia Lee. And they're both out. They're both by women who are Angelinos. One is Korean American. One is Mexican American. And they like are totally in conversation because of like the ages of the women and the location. But Biting the Hand is all about being Asian and being Korean in a black and white America. And then Creep Mm -hmm. is all about like domestic and gendered violence. Um, But the essays are both like have a lot of rage and like a lot of, they're both very smart, have like this like biting, scathing undertone. um, And they're really easy to understand, but complicated things are coming up, which is sort of kind of one of my favorite kind of writing. I hate when writers are doing complicated shit, but like writing in a way where you're like, where the fuck are you? Both books are like, I'm like, I am with you. And you're plainly saying like, this is the problem with whatever. And I just like, for people who like essays, for people who like culture and like pop culture, but also critical, like uh, cultural criticism. Oh, I do believe you're describing this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Those are my three. Okay. I went nuts. Wow. Okay, I want to read all of those. I'm already ordering them. And I have memoirs to read for this podcast. I I'm like, Tracy! I know. Okay, that was really good. Okay, my first <laughs> is the newsletter Hung Up by Hunter Harris. I <laughs> Newsletters are hard for me to get into sometimes because sometimes it just feels like a dirge of words in my inbox. Right. I'm like, no more words. Hers is so good. It's so funny. She... She writes about pop culture in the way I want to read about it, which is like three newsletters ago. It was my favorite. She had a picture of Bravo's Real Housewives of New York City premiere. She just posted a picture of them and she was like, this is my favorite. Everyone is dressed for a different occasion. (laughs) And I was like, yes, this is the kind of, these are the photos I need in my inbox. And it's really funny. They all look insane. So I love her newsletter. I became a pain member and she's coming on this podcast because I was like, I'm obsessed with you. Okay. The final thing we're going to do is tell each other something we think the other should watch, but we know they might not. Yeah. Well, we're going to tell each other the thing that we think the other person should watch and then see if the other person is into it or not into it. Okay. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Open minds. Okay. Okay. Do you want to go first? I will go first. And I am going to pitch this to you because I know you're not going to be into it because you already told me you're terrified. That's what started this idea. So I already know you're not into it. But I want to tell you that I was tricked into watching this because I did not want to watch this thing. Okay. It goes against everything that I believe in life, which is I hate scary. And the movie is a documentary on um, Netflix called The Deepest Breath. I'm sick. It's not great because it I'm also sick. is like a wellness title. Oh, bitch. This, the, nobody is well in this movie, okay? <laughs> this is not that kind of breath, okay? It is about free divers, competitive free divers. And those are people who take a deep breath and swim straight down to the fucking ocean. Just down. And like, for me, I'm thinking 10, 15 seconds. I think a competitive person, maybe a minute. No, they're underwater for three and a half fucking minutes. They're swimming (gasps) 300 feet 
hundred meters straight down and back up on their own breath. The movie is about these people, but there's it's centered on a love story. I wait, and it's a documentary. It's a documentary. It's a tragedy. It's a thriller. <gasps> it's a horror film. It is a romance film. What? I hated every second of this movie because of the tension and the stress. I am an anxious person. I do not like the ocean. I Everything about it goes against how I feel. The first three minutes are so fucking captivating. I could not turn it off because I had to know what happened because of the way that it's set up. But also, after I finished it, all I did for 36 hours was Google about free diving, deep diving culture. I was on the Instagrams. I am obsessed. I'm going to write a book about it. I am now a professional free diving (laughs) genius. This is my only personality. I know I said I was doing a book award. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm actually (laughs) deep diving, free diving. You're free diving into the free diving diving. community. I cannot recommend this movie because it will ruin your life because all you'll want to do is think about free diving. Every time my husband tells my kids to take a deep breath and they're having a tantrum, I'm like, this is triggering. Do not say that around me. I can't. I'm obsessed. I hate it. And I need others to join me so that people will talk to me about this movie because I cannot be alone thinking about fucking Alessi Zucchini and Stephen Keenan. Those are the lovers. Wow. So Okay, Tracy. Watch it or don't, I, but watch it so we can talk about it. That's really what I'm I need others to You pain. told me about this and I said absolutely not. Like I already watched that little van, you know, with a video game controller go down to see the Titanic oh, and no, like fuck implode. That. And I was sort of like, I, this is just not a part of the ocean. I need to revisit. Mm-mm. Like I don't need to go back into that. I and when you started, I said I'm still not going back in. When you said there was a love story, yeah. but it's also a documentary, now I think I might watch. You really convinced me. Yeah. This documentarian, she told the exact story that she wanted to tell. Like, she was like, listen, I'm going to make this fucking movie and you are going to care about these people. And you know what? I care deeply. Wow. Okay. I'm in. Okay. I'm in. Watch Here's it. the thing. That was so good. There's, I think we end here. When we come back and do another one of these episodes, if you like these episodes, I will, I will beg Tracy to come back. We will, we will go again. I'm always available just in case and nothing else going on. Yeah. So keep that in mind when you leave your comments, you guys. (laughs) Tracy is tech avail if we we want to keep going on some glam trash menageries. Yes. Um, okay, I adore you. I'll see you at dinner soon. Yes, and, dinner soon, dinner soon. Thanks, thanks everyone. Thanks for coming on. Now tell everyone where they can listen to your podcast and like maybe what you're, what book you're doing. Okay, so you can find my podcast at The Stacks Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and threads. And then you can find me at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. I'm also on tour. I'm going to be in Chicago this weekend. I'm going to be in- With New York, Samantha With Irby. Samantha Irby, past guest. Loved her Vivica A episode. So fun. She's um, so good. And I'm going to be in D.C. with Jason Reynolds and New York City with KSA Lehman. And then I'm going to be in L.A. And this hasn't been announced yet, but I'll give you guys a little spoiler. Chelsea's going to be joining me in L.A. along with some other friends of the show. So that's going to be fun. Come see me and people live. We're going to be talking about books and also probably The Deepest Breath because I can't get enough. Um, And we're currently reading for the Sex Book Club. Uh, Our guest is Sam Sanders right now. And we're reading... um, you Made a Fool of Death with Your Beauty, which is a romance novel, which I never, ever, ever read, but this one is messy as fuck and it's great time. So yes, join. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you can go find her on, her Instagram is great, her show is great, and hopefully she'll be back soon. Yay. 
that's all for this week's episode. If you love this podcast, if you want more of this podcast, go join us on Patreon. If you become a Patreon member, you get one bonus episode every month. You get an email every episode of photos that go with the episode. You get a newsletter of all the best DMs that I get that month where we like learn and recap things. You also get access to our lounge, which is a cookies only chat lounge where we chat about episodes and all kinds of things. There's also other tiers. So you can join for just a dollar a month or $5 a month. And then for higher level tiers, we do a live book club on Zoom once a month where we listen to the episode of the podcast and discuss that episode. So no reading required. That's patreon.com slash Chelsea DeMontez. And that is where we love your support. And that's also where the community is. A huge thank you to our producer, Kate Downey, our episode engineer, DJ Bouncy House, assistant, Jaron Padre, and our executive producer, Jordan Makata. Our team does so much to make this podcast happen. And I just thank them endlessly. Also, a big thank you to our product partners at Tenteo, Natalie's Juice, and Pattern Brands. They have given us and our guests so many great products. We are going to link each brand in the show notes. And you can find all of the products that I love on my Instagram highlights, where I am always on Instagram at Chelsea Devantes. And I'll see you there or for another episode soon. <laughs>